Welcome to Insight. I'm Philippa Tolley. This week, turning around New Zealand's appalling family violence statistics. The police now attend a family violence call-out every four minutes, but it's estimated three-quarters of abuse is never reported. On top of that, studies have found that on average it takes two and a half years before victims speak up. In a bid to change these dire statistics, the police are undergoing what they call the biggest transformation in how they respond to family violence in a generation. And the results are promising. In this insight, Anusha Bradley investigates how this new approach is working and whether it's enough to arrest this country's stubbornly high family violence record. Gisborne, on the east coast of the North Island, is famous for its surf, sand and sun. But there's a darker side to this piece of paradise. The region has the worst family violence rates per capita in the country, more than three times the national average. A local woman we have agreed to call Joy, not her real name, has lived in the city all her life. She ended her own abusive relationship more than two decades ago and now is worried for her daughter's safety as she too is in a violent relationship with a gang member. She literally dragged herself out. And I could see all the bruises and everything on her legs. He ended up trying to run her over with the car. And even I still can't phantom why my daughter keeps going back. Joy now looks after her grandchildren. And they are one of about 400 Gisborne families receiving support from the police-led pilot called Whangaia Napa Harakeke, which is also being trialled in two other centres. The name of the pilot means nurturing the family. It means Joy has access to a personal police officer 24-7. Officers also help arrange medical care, sit in on court and legal appointments or just provide an ear when needed. She says in the past she would never have asked the police for any kind of help. Hell no. (laughs) That would have been my attitude back then. I would never have turned to them for help. And what's changed? Um... I think it's just a lot of it is to just sitting there, working things out, talking about a lot of stuff, which back in the day you never ever spoke. It's what they said. You know, you had to go by their ruling, but now I find here with Te Pahara Kiki, they've given you a voice. Joy says she now trusts the police entirely, as any problem she has, they're just a phone call away. Well, every time something goes wrong, I ring them up. A lot of it, it's the worrying part. As soon as I feel sort of not right, I'll ring them. Mm. And what kind of response do you get? We'll be there soon. And and they are, they just, we'll see you in five minutes, and then they're there. But some help isn't available. Joy says three years on, she's still struggling to find counselling for her grandchildren. Here in Gisborne, being a small place, you cannot really get the help for the children, like, in the sense of I've been wanting somebody to speak to them through the stuff that they've actually lived. We've had no help whatsoever, nothing. I've, I've tried many places.
It's a Tuesday morning and working out of Iwi offices in central Gisborne, the Whangaia Napa Harakeka team start the day with a triage meeting. Here, representatives from police, Oranga Tamariki, Women's Refuge, Corrections, the District Health Board and Kaifina employed by local iwi meet to discuss all the family violence reports made the previous evening. On average there are about 12, but in saying that Mondays are our worst because it's covering often Friday evenings, Saturday and Sunday. We can average between 70 to 150 cases in a week. Constable Eve Tremaine is one of 25 Whangaia police officers who follow up these reports with a personal visit to the family to try and find out what's really happening at home. Often whānau find it very difficult to talk with police, so it may take a couple of sessions with the family before I even get my foot in the door. And once I'm in the door, the whānau have got the trust and are willing then to share. But certainly we're here in Gisborne and that trust has taken a few cup of teas before um, they have been willing to share, you know, which is some real intimate stuff that are happening with the, in the whānau. And I noticed that you've made a conscious decision to shed your uniform as a way of opening those doors. <laughs> That's true. Um, I'm very proud of uh, the work that I've had to do to become a police officer, and I'm pre- very proud of wearing that uniform. But with that uniform, they only saw the police. Yeah, so that's why I got rid of my uniform. Constable Tremaine admits it's a radical shift away from how police used to respond to what was often referred to as a domestic. Before Whangaia, police were not personal police officers to members of the public. Uh, We turned up to our shift, we'd done whatever it is we needed to do, but then essentially we cut our ties. Different approach, of course, with Whangaia, so I do become a personal Whangaia support person for not just the individual or the partners, but the whole whānau, including the children, the extended father, which is the um, the grandparents, uncles and aunties. We, we do find the issues stem beyond just that nuclear family. The Gisborne pilot's been running for 16 months now, and it's led by Senior Sergeant Greg Brown, who's been working as a police officer here and in Hawke's Bay for more than two decades. He says the pilot is funded using existing police budgets, so it's not costing any more money, it's just using the same police resources in a different way. And he says there's no end date for working with families. The Fangaya team will stay with them for as long as they want to be involved. Critics would say it's a, an expensive model. Well, I've seen policing in the, in the same community for a long time. I've seen a two-year-old turn into a 15-year-old that nearly killed someone. So it's not their fault. Yes, they've made some bad choices, but actually their formation wasn't strong, enabling, and that's the reality of what we're dealing with. So we actually do have to do it different. We have a number of sayings. One of them is a cup of tea. One of them is leave the door open. And we had a situation with one of our kaiwhina engaged with a young girl. She was pretty resistant, and the kaiwhina sort of walked away thinking, well, that sort of didn't work. However, three weeks later... Uh, the young girl came in with her father and, and said they needed help and he'd tried to strangle her that day and he'd tried to strangle her three times before. So, you know, who knows what was really going on for her at that time. Fear, trust, all of those things are just a reality of living in that coercive, abusive relationship. And for her to then walk in 
is huge. Greg Brown says with more than half of Gisborne's population identifying as Māori, involving wider whānau and talking through issues face-to-face is essential if they want to try and break the intergenerational cycle of violence in some families. We've had plenty of those cases whereby it may just be someone arguing and so we go along and our kaupapa is to have a cup of tea and understand what's happening before we then work out a plan. And then you walk into literally that so-called low event and you uncover quite a significant uh, issue where people are genuinely at, at risk. But like Joy, other victims say the help they want when they do reach out isn't always available in Gisborne. The rolling surf of Tolaga Bay with its historic wharf is a 45-minute drive north of Gisborne. In her kitchen over a cup of tea, Hilia Crawford told me how she grew up here, fell in love and had her children here. Probably one of the biggest hidings I got was um, probably about six weeks or so, six or eight weeks before my wedding. It wasn't good and I was really reluctant to get married then. Um, I know it sounds silly but I felt I just didn't want to let anyone down. Everything was ready. I did love him it was a, and it was a one-off thing. Perhaps it's not going to happen again, you know. It did happen again. It happened again and again. And the abuse became so bad, she considered suicide. Probably the worst violence happened to me March last year. And um, I'd been asking for a separation for a while and it just got beyond the anger and the alcohol and the violence. And he got a bit careless because he was good at hiding it and not making a big deal of it. So I sort of hadn't realised that it was a big deal. But my mum was there, was present, and so were my children. I'm sort of grateful. I'm sad that she had to go through that. But as soon as she heard it and um, my son saw it, that was it. She went to my sister's and said, right, she needs help. Her family persuaded him to leave, and he did. But after she escaped the immediate dangers... The help she needed then was in Gisborne, nearly an hour away. I said I needed some sort of counselling or support and they said to me, you're going to have to come to town because there's no one that's going to do it. So I said, OK, so I only live 45 minutes up the road, so the rest of the coast is buggered. I really feel strongly that there isn't good support for victims on the coast uh, and I think that needs to be addressed. As someone that's been through this process... I think what needs to happen, my theory is that there needs to be a type of kaiafina um, or support person that is sort of stands in front of them and will take the shots, will take the... It's relied on whānau too much to support. For people that don't have the support, then what is there? Huia Crawford says she only told the police about the abuse because she had to in order to get a protection order against her ex-husband. When I was interviewed, I clearly said before the interview that I didn't want any charges from from our whole life to be put on them. I just wanted the last one. So they interviewed me, I told them all about our marriage, they charged them with everything. And it was taken out of my hands. And I fought and I rang and I was so angry that no one was listening to me. Because the, the biggest thing for me was my kids. And I knew, I know that he's a good father and... It was important that my kids had some sort of continuity of life and some stability. And my question to the police was, what support is he going to get if he's in jail? He couldn't, they couldn't tell me. 
The police admit they caused unnecessary stress and say staff in the Tairawhiti area have learnt from her experiences. I'm Anusha Bradley, and you're listening to an RNZ Insight programme about family violence. Back in Gisborne, staff at the Tuafi Men's Centre have seen firsthand how the justice system doesn't always work for either victims or perpetrators. They start every day with a karakia and waiata to prepare for the daily job of providing free counselling and advice to men seeking help with their drug, alcohol and violence issues. They help about 300 men a year, many of whom are referred by the courts. Probably youngest man that we've seen or young person has been, you know, early teens and the oldest, uh, I think, has probably been in their 70s. The centre's coordinator, Tim Marshall, says they're trying to change the way the court deals with family violence cases in Gisborne. You know, a lot of the times when people make a complaint to police and they want action from the criminal justice system, they just want the behaviour to change. They don't want the person to go to jail because, of course, that impacts um, negatively in other ways on the family as well as the person going to prison. And at the end of the day, to be honest, you know, prison is not the place that they're going to find any rehabilitation in a realistic way. So we're sort of looking about how can we do things more in the community that can be more effective in the long term and can be beneficial not only to the person who's appearing before the charges but to the family who are connected and uh, it's really I suppose ramped up with uh, Whangaia in the last 12 months because they've, they've been able to support that conversation with the courts and we're just on the on the verge of actually giving it a go and, and, and piloting something here. He says the Ministry of Justice is reluctant to create an official family violence court here. There's some issues around the resourcing of those courts around the country and that's a bit of nervousness from the Ministry of Justice around having other ones. So I think what's happened with them is that they have ended up being overloaded. I mean, County's Monaco Police District have the highest number of family violence call-outs totally across the board and so, of course, the volumes going through that court are huge. But for me, that doesn't mean it's not working. It means that it just needs more resourcing. But despite those fears, Tim Marshall is hopeful a family violence initiative will be up and running in Gisborne District Court soon. And the need is pressing. The Women's Refuge in Gisborne covers a huge area from Oportiki to Napier, so it knows exactly how difficult it can be for rural women to access support services. But its manager, Philippa Davies, believes the improvement in police response times to family violence call-outs and their new focus on prevention has actually freed up resources for the refuge. Up until Whangaia, we were probably attending or, or getting around 25% of the total family violence incidents in this region. Now, our numbers of crisis call-outs for us has dropped dramatically. We are doing more work in uh, intervention and prevention now, which is dynamite for us. So we've sort of gone, wow, this has literally cut our work in half. Despite this transformation, she's worried there's a risk that police are becoming too involved in the social work aspect. I wouldn't want to see that we're working so much with whānau and that sort of thing that the police work, you know, may become a little second. I don't know that it will, or we would hope that they don't actually go so much into social work that there's a drop-off at the other end. 
Senior Sergeant Greg Brown says it's sometimes hard convincing critics that this new way of policing is just as important. Yeah, and that's the challenge. So I've heard people say police aren't social workers, and what I say to that respectfully is rubbish. Yeah, I, I shudder when I hear things like that because all I hear in my mind is criteria and thresholds and silos and all of that. And honestly, and the, if the greatest um, learning for me personally over the last 12, uh, 15 months has been if we continue to approach it in that way, then we will always have the issues that we've got. And that conviction over what's needed to improve New Zealand's dreadful record when it comes to violence in the home is equally strong in two other areas with the pilots being trialled, Northland and here in Counties Manukau, South Auckland. With more than half a million people living in Counties Manukau, its population is 15 times larger than Gisborne's and it also has one of the highest rates of domestic violence. So how do police here cope with the increased workload? Everybody turns up truly believing they're going to make yeah. a difference in the lives yeah. of somebody on this day, you know. Mm. And if you sit, you sit in here and you yeah. listen to the guys, you know, they might be on the phone mm. to somebody and then they'll hang up and they'll be so excited, like little kids going, Yes, she's <laughs> running no. back, yes, she's going to engage, you know. And it's just as simple as that. Yeah. And they, they just yeah. they know that they're actually saving lives. Inspector Anne Wilkie has been a police officer in South Auckland for 25 years. She's the director of the Whangaia Pilot in Auckland, which has been running for just over two years now. Her team of 69 police and non-sworn staff oversee more than 60 family violence cases a day. Yeah, I mean, it is huge. We have um, over 17,000 episodes a year that we deal with. Um, <clears throat> and we've also got a really diverse population. So we've got, um, you know, we've got a high uh, population of Māori and Pacific um, parts of the district, we've also got high Indian and Asian um, communities. So it, it is very diverse, which means our response um, needs to cater to some of that diversity as well. Uh, and unfortunately it means that we are constantly having to push through the volume and we don't get to all the ones that we would like to get to, so we rely heavily on our NGO partners as well to pick up where we can't. South Auckland families involved with the pilot can ring their own personal police officer at any time. But Inspector Wilkie says they don't follow them through the court process like they do in Gisborne because of the sheer number of cases they see. All police officers in counties Manukau have this year been given two days of specialist family harm training, which Inspector Wilkie says is all about changing their mindset when they knock on the door of someone's home. What we're asking the staff to do, and it wouldn't actually matter what sort of a frontline worker you are, whether you're a police officer or an ambulance officer or whatever, is that we need to go into a place with our eyes wide open. That's what the basis of the training is. It's called eyes wide open. Um, so that we are looking for things that are really obvious. Um, and that just helps us to build, like I say, a bit of a picture. We're not asking them to social work it. Um, when my guys come along later on, the family harm team, our family intervention team, um, we bring social workers with us and they're the ones that sort of look at the needs of the family and we make sure that the family's safe. So we're still trying to stick, you know, with what's called police business, but with a far broader view of what may be occurring in the home and a greater understanding and empathy with what's happening. We have to do this, but we also need the wider picture of harm within which this violence is found. This new training that Inspector Anne Wilkie talks about has been rolled out to 9,000 frontline police staff since February. 
Prior to violence, we see a predominant aggressor effectively entrapping their victim in a web. It's part of what the police say is the biggest transformation in the way it deals with what it now calls family harm in a generation. We believe it's the most significant change since the passing of the 1995 Domestic Violence Act, so it's something we are pretty excited about. Acting Superintendent Bronwyn Marshall is in charge of this $7 million Safer Fano change programme. It is a big transformational response for us because it's quite a significant change both in the, the way that we're approaching family harm in the technology solution that we're using. Um, we're creating a mobile application for our staff to use at the scene. We've created these new risk measures that are for New Zealand that our officers will use at the scene and also frontline safety plan that they'll do at the scene with the people there. And then that then goes on to um, feeding into things like Whangaina, Pārikeke or ISR, the Integrated Safety Response Pilots, where we're looking at working with our partners and transforming the follow-up help that people get post-initial attendance. The new iPhone app being used as part of that programme went live on Friday. And Bronwyn Marshall says it will cut down on the amount of paperwork frontline officers have to complete and also allow more victim impact video statements to be done at the scene. And it's a, an application that integrates with our core police system. So it's, um, it's not paper under glass. It's actually a, an app where you can do the same sorts of queries that we can do in the station. So the whole thing behind it is be more mobile and more time out of the office than there is in the office. Finally, we have the environmental factors, which may be signs... And while these changes are being enthusiastically embraced and the new schemes in Gisborne and South Auckland have been well received, a similar police-led scheme operating in Christchurch and Waikato has attracted criticism. The $38 million government-funded integrated safety response pilot has been running since 2016 and is similar to Whangaia in its multi-agency approach. But in March, the Christchurch Domestic Violence Service Aviva walked away from the pilot because it couldn't get assurances about the workload it was committing to. It had concerns it had to give preference to cases referred by the police and it didn't have time to help others. A formal evaluation of this pilot found it was unable to say how many victims and perpetrators it had helped and while it had identified gaps in services, it was not funded to address them. And given the scale of the problem in New Zealand, good information and funding is crucial. One out of three New Zealand women will experience physical or sexual uh, violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. So that's what I mean about the level of resourcing when we're talking about a, you know, a problem on that scale. Janet Fanslow is an associate professor at the University of Auckland School of Population Health. While she applauds the police for its new approach in tackling family violence, she says it will be wasted if support services for all victims and perpetrators are not available or properly funded. Because of things like new police approaches, in some ways we're actually asking people to do a lot more um, from the NGO basis than they've been funded to historically. We need all of our systems, justice, health, police, education, etc., to figure out what their role is in an integrated way so they're not stepping over each other to do the same thing. The police say the $76 million boost for frontline family violence services recently announced in the budget 
will hopefully make support services more accessible for victims, especially rural women and their families. Ruth Herbert, a long-time campaigner against family violence and the co-founder of the Backbone Collective, a watchdog organisation that focuses on the system set up to help abused women and children, agrees a national approach is needed. You know, counselling, the crisis services, housing, um, income, what's happening with, with benefits, uh, the family court, which Backbone has been looking at particularly, where we have concerns that that link in the chain is, is failing many women and children. It's difficult, but we, we are just not going to get there unless we look right across and, and make sure that everything is there in place and working effectively. We've explained this in a metaphor before. If think about the likes of the London Underground. It's no good if just one part of the underground system is working well or if one station is working well. You have to have all the lines connecting them together. You have to have every bit functioning as well as the other. And they can't be seen that one is more important or one's the leader. Last week's budget also set aside $2 million to set up a new central agent to lead a national strategy to address family and sexual violence. There's no detail yet on how exactly it will work, but Professor Fanslow says New Zealand only has to look across the Tasman to find a good example to follow. The state of Victoria in Australia last year announced their 10-year plan for the eradication of family violence in the state of Victoria. They've got a 10-year plan, they've set in place multiple agencies to deal with different aspects of it, and they've funded it at the level of $1.9 billion. And the reason they've done that is because they've done the work which says it actually costs their state about $4 billion a year in terms of the, the fallout from family violence, in terms of those policing responses, in terms of the health responses that they're already paying. So they've decided an upfront investment in prevention is worth it. New Zealand has got about the same population. It's got similar costing data, actually. Um, the costing estimates in New Zealand are that family violence costs our country between you know four billion a year up to eight billion a year, depending on uh, what sort of estimates you're you're looking from. A formal evaluation of the Fungaya pilot in Gisborne is being commissioned, and one of the county's Monaco pilot will be published in July. However, the police say initial findings show a significant drop in reoffending and victimisation rates. Professor Fanslow says ending family violence is possible. If we'd like to change our story so that we don't have to perpetually say New Zealand has some of the worst rates in the world around family violence, we could do it. It's a preventable problem, but it is actually something that we need to take seriously. Another Fungaya pilot will be set up in Hawke's Bay in July. That programme was written and presented by Anusha Bradley. If you'd like to discover some great listening, you can head to our page at rnz.co.nz forward slash insight, iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, New Zealand's gangs. I'm Philippa Tolley and that's all from Insight for today. Join us again next week. Music